MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. On this episode, Michael Shannon and Bob Miller will introduce the SLAM Industry Group and chat about what makes a good candidate for transitioning from manual operations to adding an automated SLAM system. The SLAM Group focuses on the last 100 feet of fulfillment in the warehouse or distribution center. Scan, label, apply, and manifest systems are the core of the SLAM Industry Group focus. There are many aspects to consider when shipping product out efficiently and accurately. Mike and Bob are both experts in the field, dive into the topic and explore thought leadership on the best practices to scale a business with SLAM technology. So let me introduce you to the guests. Michael Shannon is is the solution executive at SRSI. Michael has extensive experience in the 3PL industry. He has managed a large number of customers with various requirements and shipping methods. Bob Miller has been designing practical automation for order fulfillment for more than 25 years. He founded StreamTech Engineering to provide systems that tightly integrate software controls and best-of-breed equipment. He developed an all-in-one sprinter slam system and holds a U.S. patent for the Foldserter automated pack slip print and insert system. He's a licensed professional engineer, graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy who served in Desert Storm, as well as obtaining his MBA from the Olin Business School. Welcome, gentlemen. Michael, is there anything else you'd like to add to your your profile? I'd say, uh, Christian, great to have a chance to talk here in this uh, podcast. And from a people and process standpoint, I'd simply say that, you know, I, as an industrial engineer came up coming out of college, I've spent about 15 years doing engineered labor standards and learning a lot more about the people aspect of it. So hope to add that to the conversation today. Excellent. Bob, welcome. Yeah, good morning. You know, uh, material handling, uh, it, it's its funny to hear you say how long uh, we've both been in the industry, but the uh, it remains really fresh. Uh, we're always running into uh, new types of problems, uh, new uh, effects on the marketplace, and lots of new technologies, which frankly keeps it a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, let's dive in. So, What's a SLAM system and, and how does it relate to this industry group? Yeah, sure. I'll take that. Uh, so scan, SLAM is scan, label, apply, manifest, or scan, label, and manifest. Uh, you know, historically, large distribution centers would sort packages by route, um, and then we'd palletize by store or fluid load, load to a store for the, you know, your brick and mortar. Um, and really the parcel aspect of it was often kind of an afterthought. You'd have a few people at metering stations and that has flipped completely around these days where most of the packages at a lot of fulfillment centers are going parcel. So that's been a, that's become a real driver uh, to the whole outbound process. And just to add on to that, I, I feel like, 
remembering those two workstations that were never manned by anyone, the UPS station, the FedEx station, uh, and then, you know, flip, flip the script now in the last couple of years, I feel like it's that direct to consumer model, you know, with the lack of brick and mortar that's out there in the supply chain. A lot of now just let's take that element out and directly ship to that customer. Uh, so seeing now it's the flip, flip side where the LTL truckload side of the business is for your key customers, maybe your large volume cost customers, but the majority of the work is being done via the parcel network. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mike. So what are the main drivers of this technology? Yeah, sure, Christian. So um, the, typically your biggest drivers are going to be freight spend, uh, direct labor, uh, throughput and accuracy. Although, um, you know, historically we would, these would be justified based on uh, direct labor savings and to some extent freight spend. But um, just in the last couple of years, uh, it's really become about throughput. Um, companies uh, in this space are growing so fast or that part of their business is growing so fast uh, that they're trying to figure out what they need to do to get the orders out the door. And um, obviously, it's, it's been good for us, uh, but it, it's something that, you know, we encourage people to think about what those needs are up front. You know, just to add on to that, the, you know, the knowledge of that, um, you know, let's call it the coworker in, in the facility, you know, being able to do the freight shopping, be able to do the, you know, looking at a rate table, understanding how should I ship this, um, being dynamic about it, right? If it's got to be the easy button, right? If it's the same every time, great. But the opportunity here and what Bob's alluding to is this real opportunity to find a better rate, a better carrier, a better way to do something. And a lot of that's data uh, driven, right? In terms of someone that's at a workstation really would have a hard time optimizing uh, that, that piece of the puzzle. Great, great. Um, what makes a good candidate for a slime system? Yeah, good question, Christian. Um, you know, when we used to think of these things as sort of niche systems, you know, we'd a lot of times be looking for that candidacy aspect. You know, today um, you can get all in one systems that'll justify against, you know, one to two people doing this full time or, you know, like a thousand packages a day. So really what we're seeing is really broad adoption throughout the industry. Um, of course, there are factors that can make it more difficult to justify or to automate things like extreme package form factors, uh, ultra seasonality, um, or, you know, high degree of value added services. Yeah. Thinking about customers that we've seen recently that say, well, I have a special label I need for this supplier. I have another special label I do for somebody else. This person wants a packing slip on the, on the package. This person wants a packing slip inside. Thinking about all those pieces of the puzzle, the relationship you have with your customer base to really get a sense of, can I do this the same way every time? Can I create something similar to a master shipping label that has maybe all the information that you're going to need, no matter who you're sending it to, and they can strip out the information that they're specifically looking for? I think that's the other piece that really we're working with customers on is how can you give something that's more of a holistic solution as opposed to all this you know, very unique 
um, requirements depending on who your you know your final customer is. And we all know the big ones out there, and they need they want their part number on the on the package. They want their reference numbers, their fields. So you know, give them those things through this system, and now you've now you know really appeased that that whole uh, entire market. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things we talk about within the group and within our, our committees is, is, you know, kind of identifying what's not a slam, uh, you know, and, and, and things like that. And, and as companies are going from not having any automation to having automation, you know, maybe you, you two can talk about the, the difference between rolling up a, a labeler to a conveyor and, you know, the differences between that and really what a true slam line would, would include. That's a good question, but actually, first to kind of hop on what Mike was saying, um, the the uh, value added services and the automated collateral and things like that, um, they do make it a challenge to implement. Um, although, with the some of the technologies that are available, uh, it also creates an opportunity because some of those are some of the most challenging. Uh, types of things to manage uh, manual uh, types of operations for. And also the, you know, these SLAM systems, they do, like you said, they use components like labelers, uh, conveyors, we have scanners, other types of identification, um, scales, dimensioners. And we think of those components in a, from a parcel shipping standpoint, but the same physical uh, equipment can be used for things like receiving where you're decrementing, you're decrementing against uh, ASNs or advanced shipping notices, or you're getting into more compliance labeling where Mike talked about sort of the blend between a compliance labeling, labeling and a slam, because sometimes that compliance labeling isn't really needed. You're not, you don't have a parcel operation, but you still have compliance labeling, but yeah. Um, that's a good point uh, regarding the integration of these systems. Um, there's a lot of people that can sell you a labeler, um, but what you're really looking to buy is something that's tightly integrated, that's supported, that all works together. And sometimes just having the data. I think one of the things we do from an evaluation standpoint is, is information even within um, a customer's system. I mean, do they have the ability, if they were to be able to feed a SLAM system with information, do they have what they need? A mm -hmm. lot of times going back to that, Bob, is, you know, we'll work with customers on just cubic dimensioning their products, right? I mean, that's such a value add on the inbound and the outbound side. You know, and to your point, it's not just the parcel network, it's the LTL network. Everyone needs to know cube weight dimensions so they can understand what am I shipping and how do I optimize that? So, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times it's not, if you were to wheel a labeler, labeler up to a conveyor, you've now taken some transportation pieces out and you've now got automation in terms of like putting a label on, on a package. But the piece of behind the scenes, is that package meant to go from this origin to this destination? Is it going to get there in the proper way? Is it going to take the days of service to get there? There's a lot to that puzzle where I feel like even having the information to feed a slam is a part of evaluation criteria. So Bob, you're preparing to, to give a presentation on behalf of the slam group. I think one of the, the, uh, uh, the points in that presentation that you're going to give is it's not what you see. It's there's a lot behind the scenes. It's the, the important parts of what you don't see. Yeah, absolutely. So 
there are data handshakes and software handshakes. Um, what you're trying to do, what our customers are trying to do is to rate shop their packages across multiple dimensions, not just carriers, but service levels from the zone that you're shipping to the zone the packages is uh, going to. Um, and, you know, so carriers, service levels, um, looking at deferring uh, some orders that they know they can pick and pack uh, more quickly. Um, so there, it's actually pretty complex. And, and uh, you know, the best uh, SLAM systems and the best TMS software can provide a huge competitive advantage. And those, the, the, the very, the upper crust of those TMS systems are the ones that keep all those rate tables uh, online themselves. And they're not, they're not pinging the different servers. So you can have that, that rapid fire response. So how do you handle shipping with multiple carriers? Are there redundancies? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, like we talked about, uh, your, when you have multiple carriers, your, your physical slam system uh, can cross over and be agnostic between the different carriers. And then pairing your SLAM system with a, with a good state-of-the-art TMS allows you to manifest uh, your packages very fluidly between the different carriers. And I'll, I'll say that you know, a lot of customers that had the opportunity to have that TMS is a great component, right? The transportation management system, what it can do, you know, similar to warehouse management systems inside the four walls, right? Sometimes customers don't have those types of technologies. What I've seen also work from a network optimization standpoint is working with your carrier on developing some static routes if possible, right? I think a lot of times we look at our volume and say, I'm pretty variable. I, I don't really know. Sometimes I don't know where I'm shipping to the day before. I don't really think I have consistency. But looking at the data, you'll actually find that the zone-to-zone -zone shipping, you're always going to a certain zone, possibly every day with a certain amount of volume. Carriers really enjoy that consistency and want to build assets around it. So how do you develop a network that says, I now maybe take from my origin point, my distribution center, and let me set up a lane. Let me set up a route that allows me to maybe get packages somewhere faster. Uh, also, that allows you to negotiate a better rate for that consistent volume. And it's a little bit more of the relationship-based approach to really having a carrier network that says within an X number of miles or for this geography or for this set of zip codes, I'm going to allow my packages to throw th flow through this type of solution which is gonna give me a competitive advantage for this particular market. And then yes, let me rate shop the rest. Let me use my system, my software, my optimization algorithms for the rest of the business, but I've taken a chunk of it and started to optimize those pieces. So let's talk about the internal processes of a, of a where a SLAM system would exist. If you have multiple people manually operating SLAM processes, how is that affecting your overhead cost? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that we would normally probably consider that uh, direct labor versus overhead. And maybe that wasn't your question. Um, I think in today's market, in the distribution and 3PL world, people are looking well beyond just the overhead cost. Um, they're looking at the, the cost of not fulfilling an order. Um, and the, and the potential of the end of the of their customer to balk 
and uh, the competitive advantage to be able to burst that throughput um, on their peak days, be it, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or if they're on a, you know, some other sort of a holiday peak schedule uh, to get those items manifested for their carrier cutoff time. And Bob, I think one of the things too is, you know, being able to handle volume is, is a great thing to have. You can really have scalability with a slam system. The other piece of the puzzle that I, I see a lot of times is really that, you know, evaluate your return rates, your delivery accuracy, how you're getting penalties and chargebacks, your current processes today. A slam system can really detect errors before things go out the door. So if you're building that into the end of your process, you may have had issues with, you know, put away accuracy, inventory accuracy, uh, picking accuracy. Now those are coming down to a system that's allowing you to, like Bob mentioned earlier, you've got weight scales, you've got conveyance, you've got scanners, you've got readers. You're, you're starting to verify that order for that outbound before it leaves the distribution center. Now you can really have a higher sense of confidence that that order is complete before it gets sent out the door. I mean, some customers have told me stories about every time they have a mistake, it's $17 or something of that nature, right? And they start saying, well, the the, the margin I make on my products is, is less than that. So I have to make sure that I, I ship enough correctly to overcome the times when I don't ship it correctly and get these massive chargebacks. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's tough. It's tough uh, operating a 3PL on behalf of retailers. And sometimes if that, the only thing that's a little tougher is actually dealing with the end, end users. <laughs> um, the good news is uh, a lot of these sensors, there's just been a, a tremendous uptick in the technology, the, the technology per cost ratio for things like barcode scanning and dimensioning. Uh, we're using techniques like LIDAR um, to look at packages, look for, look for, you know, loose flaps, look for um, the cubic volume and validate, you know, that we packed it the best way. Um, you know, there's zero air packaging machines available. Um, you know, so we're, we're really sort of in a, uh, an amazing time to be alive in this business and, and with all the different kinds of technology that's out there. Good. So what are the risks in implementing a SLAM system? Well, you know, that's what we're trying. One of the things that we're trying to mitigate with having a SLAM group and a, a, a cadre of credentialed companies uh, who do this every day. Um, going back to your earlier comment about someone can roll a labeler up to a conveyor and call it a SLAM system. You know, so our MHI group, I think there's what a a dozen or more uh, integrators involved in that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's a, that's a really good place to start. You know, look up the the MHI Slam Group, and um, you know, pick out a couple integrators to talk to. Um, <clears throat> you know, the host latency is something that always needs to be designed around, um, and that's where your best uh, TMS packages are going to shine. Um, your support. Um, is this, uh, you know, are these components that the integrator deals with every day or manufactures in-house? Um, how many different parties are you going to have to talk to to troubleshoot things? So, yeah, there's, there's, definitely, some, there's definitely some risks. And uh, the good news is there's, a, there's a more and more companies who are doing this in a pro- very professional way. 
And part of it also building those redundancies in, you know, I've seen in terms of you know, things that Bob or my, myself can do is, you know, make sure you don't just have one weight scale or one, one manifesting system, one labeler, one conveyor, right? There's got to be some redundancy built into the solution. But also as a former operator myself, it's, you got to have the ability to go to manual mode. Like, I mean, if, when all things considered, if you're stuck and you're down, you have to have a way of still manually going through the process, which part of implementation is to have plan B, right? You always have to have that holistic viewpoint is, you know, like you mentioned, Bob, the, the data latency, maybe the system, the TMS is now, it's now down, right? You're, you're now dusting off those workstations and saying, oh man, these things, I have to use this computer now. <laughs> it was given to me by the carrier, but, you know, I actually have to use this now because it's the only way I can get these pack packages rated. Um, the other way would be to either have, you know, the ability to queue up inventory saying, okay, I can be down for X amount of time. I'm queuing that up and then I can get that into my slam system. Like you said, if it's, if it's peak volume season and you're down, that's probably a big issue. We talked about that during, you know, we, we never size a system for just the peak, right? We want to make sure we have the uh, redundancy built in, but if it's not peak time, and you have the ability to be down uh, for a, a short period of time, you might be able to queue up that inventory and then flow it through the slam system and, and be able to meet your, even meet your cutoffs possibly sometimes. Yeah, the, the manual mode is definitely something to think of. You always want to have that manual mode ready, um, even if it's for a short time. Uh, relative to redundancies, um, another technique we use with people is to look at the different components and uh, design a system uh, accordingly based on their individual reliabilities. So, you know, a labeler, um, because it's dealing with the consumables, uh, has print heads to wear out, things like that. Um, it's pretty common uh, for all but the most entry-level systems for us to have multiple labelers, um, but we may array them uh, over around, say, one conveyor artery. Um, you know, your, your belt conveyor, you inspect that, you know, once a week and, uh, you know, they're likely to run uh, without downtime uh, for quite, quite a while. Now, now my, my perception is that most systems have some kind of uh, manual station to handle exceptions. Are there a lot of systems that will run a hundred percent of the product that, uh, that goes through a you know, a, uh, one of your customers lines. Well, that's a good one. Uh, you know, there's always exceptions. And I think what you, the way I'm understanding your question is items that are, you know, you would consider to be sort of like non-conveyable or non-slammable. Yeah. Um, or, or they, they're outside the rules. Like one of the things like when you do pack list automation, you can do so many lines on like a certain type of pack, pack list automation. And then beyond that, you have to go and do something different for it. Right. But there's always that's been kind of like yeah. exceptions to the rules of what you design the system for, right? That, that's really a kind of a key part of working with your integrator on how to, you know, to decide where you're going to draw those lines. You know, if you're, you, you want to, you, you'd love to run 95, 99% of your packages through the system. Um, and then, you know, once in a while you ship a, a fishing pole or something like that. And so that would be, you know, you compare and contrast that with, with somebody who's in the fishing pole business and, you know, they're 95% of what they sell is fishing poles. So you, you want to work with your integrator 
uh, like Mike or myself to design a system, you know, that can, that can uh, handle that. Yeah, funny uh, kind of side note is, is the conveyor and sortation solutions industry group uh, in 2020, we put a LinkedIn poll out about the oddest things that you've, you've, uh, you've purchased via e-commerce. And we were getting all kinds of comments on, you know, canoes and somebody ordered a piano to, to Hawaii and, you know, and you're just, you know, it was kind of a, a year of odd things and especially outdoors things, right? Because you're- yeah you know, limited for being able to go inside and things like that. And so, uh, so certainly those would all be the exception. Handling. I don't know that you guys. Well, you can, can and you can really that. get off, you, you can get way off into the weeds on this, but you know, you could have a slam system that's built for big things like uh, patio furniture um, and your bigger items uh, are able to go through the slam system, but they may go straight through the sorter. Um, because those, you know, the, the problem is getting those around a curve that your curve is ends up the size of a squash court. Um, but, you know, there was one other thing that you mentioned, you, you referred to these as exceptions and, you know, another way of looking as exceptions are things like no reads or a package that was going to go international or has, um, you know, DOT regulated uh, items on it. Uh, or, you know, we were unable to identify it. And one of the ways of, of telling that your integrator uh, is someone that does this a lot will be their ability to, how much do they have this built into their software and to their domain knowledge around it? Because like a lot of things, you spend 20% of the time talking about the way it works normally, and you end up spending 80% of the time talking about things of, of, of how it's going to handle all the exceptions and having that thought through ahead of time. I'll just add the, the comment about data uh, and a data-driven approach. And to, to Bob's point is no matter what the business is that's selling, what kind of widget based on what size, what kind of frequency it has, you know, understanding what is that skew, um, you know, not necessarily the difference. It's like the categorizing your SKUs and being able to have that as part of the conversation of, am I intending to solve for all SKUs or a subsection of SKUs? Or when I look at my order velocity, I'm really trying to address those low lines per order type opportunities, my parcel shipping only. Therefore, I, I want these parts to be able to do. So we're, we're segmenting the inventory. We're segmenting the orders and being able to look at that from a standpoint of how do I optimize what should be optimized, which is, let's just say most of my business or whatever percent that is. And the other pieces can be a separate process, go through a separate flow, have a separate type of area that it gets picked and shipped out of, which will look different. Uh, but I, I love that hybrid approach because everyone's business is hybrid. I mean, the SKUs that most companies have today, you know, it's tens of thousands of SKUs that just from the smallest component of an individual piece to, uh, like you said, <laughs> large form factor canoes or whatever, whatever that might look like, you know, you've got quite a bit of uh, diversification in that space. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually where uh, some of the small and medium sized companies can do pretty well. They can compete with the, the biggest retailers. Um, if they focus, if, if they look at their, what makes their business unique, um, and does just a little bit of customization, um, they can end up. They can end up with some. They can end up with a system uh, that has a lot of advantages over something that's designed to do, say, everything. 
So when I think of a manual station in, in relation to a SLAM system, um, a lot, you know, when, when you have a, a manual station on this, you know, in an operation that has an automated SLAM system, the manual station still has a lot of the components of a SLAM system. I mean, the automated mm-hmm. labeling is going to be replaced with a tabletop printer. The fixed scanners are going to be more handheld scanners. There still can be dementors involved and things like that. Aren't the manual stations just another component of a SLAM system? Yeah, good point. So there's really a continuum of types of manual backups. Uh, in fact, one of the one of the common ways that we design our our SLAM system backups is to continue to leverage the scale, dimensioner, scanners, um, and conveyor backbone. Um, and then have the label sequenced to a desktop printer that's you know right where the print and apply is. Uh, so that provides you a good backup. It can be great, you know, if you have an entry level system and they're a little shy about buying a second print and apply, um, or just you know sort of an in case emergency of in case of emergency break glass sort of a thing. Gotcha, Michael. Do you have anything to add to that? I, I think that's a good point is, is you leverage what you have. And I think like you're saying, when you go to buy a labeler, you go to buy a weight scale. I mean, you're, the components are the same. It's how you're putting the pieces together in a flow. So I'd say a lot of the conversation we'll have is material flow, material flow diagrams. You know, what, what is the best way to move this through the, from the inbound to the outbound part of the facility? And sometimes it does mean leveraging different types of applications. And to your point about those manual stations, they are a, a collaboration of those individual elements as well. They just may be lacking the conveyor or maybe lacking conveyor after the station com- uh, component, which requires then the human side of it to be able to have a big part of it. Someone's transporting something to the station, transporting it away from the station where we've seen a lot of the slam systems that work efficiently over the course of time and be able to hit these volumes is it's conveyed in conveyed out type of application. So let's all check our crystal ball. Uh, Where do you think the slam market is heading over the next five to seven years? Wow. Um, You know, one thing that Michael talked about earlier was uh, expanding the idea of the slam uh, farther upstream into the pack process. Um, you know, so what we're talking, what we're talking about today is to automate that last step of manifesting. Um, and he's talked a lot about the data. Um, so, uh, with, uh, robotics, uh, you know, I can envision pretty handily where you'll partially pick an order or, um, in fact, we're even doing some of this today where the, you know, the final pack uh, and collateral insert is all automated. Um, and right now, you know, we're still in a phase where we're, you know, we're sort of limited a little bit based on form factor, but, um, as that technology improves, we're going to see more and more and more of it. Uh, another piece is the integration with, uh, you know, right size packaging. And, um, uh, again, like everything else here, uh, it makes sense to think about the way these, the way these technologies work together, you know, versus, you know, I'm going to go to my slam vendor and I'm going to go to my right size packaging vendor. I'm going to go to my robotics vendor. Um, The, there's actually a lot more value when you look at these things holistically and the way that they can work together. That's a great point, Bob. In fact, I feel like that's, 
that's the core element of, of kind of what our value proposition is, right? Is looking at the whole picture, not just solving a specific problem in a specific area. Look at the whole picture. For instance, I'm sure this customer story is, is similar to almost all of them you talked to today is they're out, their, their growth is outpacing their ability to hire people. That's usually the, the very first part of, I need to do something different. And sometimes they think that just, you know, depending on, on their maturity level and where they're at today, they may believe that a certain part of their business is holding them back. But I love the idea of going in with kind of a whiteboard or eyes wide open um, format to really see that there's more to the story. You know, maybe the inbound process or the storage process isn't working as it should be. Maybe there's some quick fixes to put in place to make things more efficient. Again, I look at labor in the DC as a very important element. I think that it's hard to get completely away from that. Um, you want to be able to leverage those those talented people to be able to give you the uniqueness your business deserves. Uh, it's your value add. It's your secret sauce, as you'd say. So how do I make them as most efficient as I possibly can? How can I augment their, their, um, their process with potentially automation to either bring things to them, take things away, you know, making things from a transportation piece easier, also provide them the information that they might need to make a decision um, or having, again, like Bob talked about earlier, these systems behind the scenes, can they talk to themselves? Can they have these p- other pieces of the puzzle to say, how do I solve for this? And, and can I present you with the solution? And you can override me, but like, this is what my algorithm says. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we have that last check of making sure that we believe this is how we want our customer's product to look. This is how we believe this is ready for shipment. Um, and then we're feeling good about it, leaving the door and getting to that customer. Um, and, and again, from my point of view, it's, it's seeing this as um, more of a holistic solution as opposed to a specific solution is what I, I tend to see with this. Again, uh, the best slam systems though are, are amazing to watch. They're amazing to see. The only way to keep up with volume sometimes these days is to have that. But there's other pieces of the puzzle that uh, really, as we look at other parts of the business, there's lots of opportunity usually. So as we wrap this up today, um, is there any final thoughts that you might have? I'll start with you, Bob. No, I, the, uh, the, the idea of adding to the professionalism of this, of this uh, slam uh, <coughs> experience or, or uh, technology is a, is a great idea. Um, you know, we've, we've all, I think Mike and I have, have been out and seen, uh, seen people that are <laughs> scarred uh, because they, you know, were out buying components or they had someone else out buying components for them. And the idea of adding some rigor to this uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love, enjoy the networking piece of this really. I think it's, um, you know, when you look to your left and look to your right in distribution center world, right? I mean, we're all in the same, usually business parks and you say, well, who else is doing this in the industry? It's, it's, you, you won't have to go too far to find someone else who's, who's looking to solve the same problem that you have. Um, I think that from what I've seen from MHI and the ability to really reach out from their member directory, as well as, you know, joining groups like SLAM and having these networking events, these are the opportunities we have to say, I'm looking to solve a problem. And I don't want to take the time to learn how to solve it. I want to be able to say, this looks a lot like someone else that's similar to me in some way. I want to solve the problem how they've solved it. They've seen great 
results from that. Let's go and use that knowledge and leverage that for customers that may not know what they even potentially might need, but to show them that there's, there is a path and that other people are solving that problem. I think that's a, a huge part of what we do, Bob and I do, but also what MHI helps support us to do. Right. Yeah. A lot of what the industry groups will do is put together thought leadership, education, best practices, collect standards, you know, be the resource so that when people do uh, are looking for solutions like this, they can come to the SLAM industry group to find those resources and find the members who are collaborating uh, and working together to, to make sure that the industry creates great solutions for their, for their uh, you know, for the end users and, and the people that own these systems. So uh, to find out more about the SLAM group, you can go to mhi.org backslash SLAM. Uh, there'll be a lot more content uh, and, and we'll be updating our website, creating new tools and re- resources throughout the year. This group started uh, at the beginning of this year, so it's it's a relatively new group, but uh, we have a, a strong uh, membership and we continue to, uh, to do things to add to the industry. So uh, Michael and Bob, thank you both for joining me today. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Christian. We, we love talking about this stuff, as you can tell. So we <laughs> enjoy the ability to. Slam <laughs> geek, yeah. Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward. Well,